We have a special guest who has come out with a new documentary in our backyard, Cartels Taking Over Southern California. You don't want to miss this. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Seek First Podcast. I'm Rick Brown. We talk about everything here, life, seeking God, biblical truth, today's culture, and whatever is on my guest's radar to unpack. We want to understand what is happening around us. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Take a minute to subscribe to the Seek First Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Let's jump in. Field reporter of the Daily Caller, Jorge Ventura. Welcome, Jorge. Hey, Pastor Rick, it's good to see you again. It's so great to hear about the, the hard and, can I say, a little frightening work that you're doing, whether you're down there at the uh, border crossing back and forth or now in our own backyard. It's, it, it's amazing what's going on. We want to find out about this new documentary. Yeah, Pastor Rick, so we just released here at the Daily Caller. It's the first ever documentary that, we've, that the company's ever done. Uh, so I'm proud to be a part of it, but it's called Cartelville USA, and we did a full investigation um, on these kind of drug cartels that are now moving into our backyards here in Southern California and the desert area. So the kind of how this kind of actually popped up is I've been, you know, I've been covering the border since March, and I actually met Republican Congressman Mike Garcia, who represents District 25, um, and then he represents a community in North L.A. County. It's called Anila Valley has, you know, cities like Acton up here, you got Nenac, Lancaster, even also we are counting right next door to San Bernardino, like El Mirage and Phelan. And I was speaking to the congressman, I was like, hey, congressman, you know, you're the only representative from California at the border, like, you know, why? And he said, Jorge, what's going on at the border is impacting us back, back in my district. We have a Mexican drug cartel, human trafficking, illegal marijuana crisis. And when he told me this, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it because actually, I, I live in Palmdale. I'm, 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 I still live there today. So do my parents, and I couldn't believe that um, the stories that I was hearing from the congressman. So essentially, what's happening is in this past kind of year and a half, two years, these drug cartels, whether it's the Mexicans, we have the Chinese mafia and the Armenians now, they're moving out to these deserts out here in the rural communities. For for folks who don't know, out here, like, like I said, North LA County, Palmdale, Lancaster, Nenac, and they're starting up these illegal marijuana operations. So they're not legal, these are illegal marijuana operations. Now, I know for most Californians, when they hear um, you know, illegal marijuana, they just think that it's probably just like Cheech and Chong, just like two hippie dudes in the middle of nowhere, smoking pot, <laughs> rolling up joints. And that's not the case at all. If that was the case, this wouldn't even be a story. So essentially, these drug cartels are starting up these illegal marijuana operations on either homes that they're buying with, you know, with the hundreds of thousands of million dollars that they have, or what they're, what's called a squatting, where they just take over the desert that's not theirs, and they'll start up the illegal marijuana operation. Now, when they start up an illegal marijuana operation, they actually smuggle migrants from the southern border and force these migrants to work uh, on these illegal growth. So, we're, so what we're seeing in real time is actually what we call is labor trafficking. The same way that migrants are sex trafficked, migrants are being labor trafficked into the United States, and they're basically being forced to work on these illegal growth. So first, we see a, a human trafficking, labor trafficking issue connected to this. Second is the high levels of water theft that these cartels are doing. So um, as everyone knows here, you know, you need, you know, to grow marijuana, you need the water. Well, since these are illegal marijuana operations, they don't even get the water legally. So one thing that they do, and we've, you, you'll see it in our documentary, is 
these these cartels actually siphon the water from the American citizens just living out there in the desert by tapping into their water lines. Uh, they'll also drill illegal wells and then tap into the neighbor's water lines. Or they even siphon the water just from the California aqueduct. So as you know, Pastor Rick, here in SoCal, we're in a drought right now. Every single day that these illegal marijuana operations are operating, between 3 million to 9.6 million water gallons are being wasted on these illegal girls. And that's that's every single day. So these guys are stealing the water. You're going to see it in our um, documentary. We, we interviewed residents with water bills up to $2,200 in a month because the cartel's going into their home and siphoning that water. So we have labor trafficking, human trafficking, water theft, and uh, the, the worst element of this whole thing is just the crime and the violence that these guys bring. So these guys are heavily armed out there in the deserts. Since there is no law, uh, law enforcement is the reason why we, we, we see these illegal girls popping out in the desert because, you know, there's no sheriffs to be patrolling it out there. Um, so the amount of weapons they have, uh, our violence has gone up here. The homicide rate has jumped in the desert because now we have L.A. County sheriffs finding dead bodies buried in the desert connected to illegal grows. Um, just last year as well, L.A. Times reported that there was a 26-year-old Guatemalan uh, migrant who was trying to escape these illegal grows, and he was shot and killed and was found four months later by L.A. County sheriffs. You'll see it in our documentary. We interviewed the San Bernardino County Sheriff, Shannon Dykus, who's who tells me that his sheriffs have, have been in now shootouts with the cartels in the desert so you have kind of you know a multi-faceted uh, kind of problem with just this story so just to I'll give you guys these quick numbers um so in 2020 here in la county they had only identified 150 illegal girls you fast forward to 2021 we are over 500 illegal marijuana operations the county next door which is san bernardino county we spent some time in san bernardino as well they have over a thousand illegal groves. I think the biggest operation that we found in our investigation was about 10 acres long, and about, I think it was El Mirage. 10 acres long. I'm talking about over 150, you know, grow, uh, grow houses, uh, migrants on these on these properties with weapons. I mean, the, the the operation was so big, you would have thought Jeff Bezos and Amazon were running it. So, um, I know I went on a little tangent there, Pastor Rick, but I just wanted to give you kind of all the elements of this story because it's. It's really important for Californians to know that, you know, this is happening here. This is this is this is real. Um, you know, where where we are here in Palm Donella Valley, we're three hundred miles away from the border, but it feels like we're a border town because these cartels are, are literally living with us and are basically our, our neighbors now. That's right. So it's just seventy miles from where we're at over here in Thousand Oaks. And uh, I'm glad you went on that tangent in the sense that it's a passionate, huge problem, and we should be excited about getting the news out to stop this because basically what's going to happen as you know is the cartels that are south of the border now are going to be entrenched and we're going to have our own cartel warfare in uh, such a dramatic way now there's normal people that live out there it's like it's almost the way you describe it, it's like the wild wild west there's no law enforcement or enough not enough law enforcement to tackle this and if they do tackle it they better come with some serious firepower Exactly. So that's why if you're a resident living out there and you call, you know, your your the police, the police actually won't even come out because they don't have the firepower to deal with these cartels. Um, for for some folks, they probably remember this if they if they um, watch just local news. But back in July, L.A. County Sheriff they did a 10-day raid on these illegal girls out here in Anilla Valley. L.A. County Sheriff couldn't even do that raid by themselves. They had to contact River, Riverside County, uh, Ventura County. They had to go in with a DEA agents and a DOJ. So it was multi-law enforcement units 
when they come raid these girls. So now, you know, the, the real sad part is now you have these, um, you know, working class American citizens who are living in the middle of cartel battles. They're getting their water uh, stolen at a record number. And the thing is, since these cartels have so much money, they're literally buying up all, like, whole neighborhoods and turning them in, into illegal growth. So a lot of these folks are saying, you know what, I don't want to put up with this. I'm going to just put my home for sale. Well, guess who's the first person who's going to buy that home? It's those cartel members because they want another property to be under under their name. So this is, um, to me, this is a, a huge crisis. I mean, just compare L.A. County and San Bernardino. I mean, just the both counties next door, we have nearly 2,000 illegal marijuana operations. So you could only think about all the water theft, the human trafficking, the labor trafficking, um, all the weapons. I said the violence has gone up because now these cartels are battling each other. It's we, you know we're seeing the Mexicans being involved with this, which is connected back to Sinaloa. We're seeing now the Chinese mafia is is coming in. And the thing is that what makes the Chinese interesting is the Chinese actually smuggle Chinese nationals through Mexico and force their own uh, to work on these growths. So you were seeing now the Chinese nationals being involved, and then we were seeing now the Armenians starting to to basically find out about this black market business and take over. And, and really, what started this past year, Rick, was Back in 2016, uh, the state of California passed Prop 64. So if Prop 64, it legalized cannabis statewide. But the big but here is it made illegal cultivation, which used to be a felony in our state, and knocked it down to a misdemeanor. So let me just put an example for the audience. So let's say, let's say me and Pastor Rick, we have our own illegal marijuana operation in the desert. Chief let's say Yes, let's discuss. Let's say you and me had 50,000 plant operation. Let's say LA County Sheriff comes and raids us. We're only going to get hit with a $500 misdemeanor fine. That's it. So that's why when I speak to LA County Sheriff, they say, hey, when we raid these grows, we are looking for the weapons, we're looking for the human trafficking, and we're looking for water theft so we could attach felonies. If we can't find that uh, when we do the raid, these guys get hit with a $500 ticket. I mean, their grows are, are, are ranking in hundreds of thousands, if not even millions on some of these uh, operations, what is a $500 ticket going to do, do to, to uh, you know, deter that behavior? It's not going to do anything. It, that's unbelievable. So tell me about if you're living in that, I, I imagine there's been encounters with private citizens. Maybe you even encountered it doing your, you're getting your footage. Uh, what's it like to run into, almost, I mean, an a armed cartel member in they threaten to kill you or they run you off? What happens? Yeah, so in, in our documentary, you know, we interview these citizens that live next to them. Um, folks have been already shot at. They've been threatened. And I think just the scary part is they actually have officially no-go zones out there in the desert because they know these kind of these 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 kind of large um, desert lands out there are fully cartel operated. So out there, um, yeah, if you're if you're a citizen and living out there, they they get confronted. They know where not to go. Um, some of these neighbors have actually filmed the cartel stealing the water, and they've been threatened uh, physically. Like I said, they've been shot at. And even on, on our second day of filming our documentary, you're going to see this little scene in the, in the documentary. We actually get car chased by a cartel on our very second day. Um, on, our one of, on, our, on our very last week of filming, we actually got stopped out there uh, by a cartel member in a red F-150 truck. He was just, you know, threatening us, asking us what we were doing out there. Um, so these, this is real. And they have, you know, the weapons, the firepower. They have the money, they, you know. So they, they essentially control the desert. The funny thing, Pastor, is, is when I interview these the people out there, they, they literally tell me those words. They say, it is literally the wild, wild west out here because it's, it's, we're just on our own. And it's a sad reality. And I think, you know, what, what makes us 
really interesting is just the lack of local media and national coverage on this story. You know, that's why we felt that we needed to go in full investigation, do a long form project, because um, we felt it was important to, to, to uh, you know, to tell these stories and get this information out there. The, there's a huge misconception problem, too, here in California, where when people think, you know, illegal marijuana, they don't think it's a big deal. Like I said, they just think it's hippies, you know, smoking joints and not bothering anyone. That's not the case. There's a huge criminal element to this. And if you're in the state of California, 80% of the weed coming out of California is black market. So even in the state, isn't even seeing the tax revenue. So you're not seeing the tax revenue. You're seeing the water theft. You're seeing the violence. You're seeing labor trafficking. Um, I don't see how we're winning uh, this this battle right now at all. Well, it seems like uh, the the progressive left in leadership in the state of California is pro-criminal and anti-victim, and they just, the prosecutors don't prosecute. There's this lawlessness that these progressive elites allow to happen, and they pass all these laws to set people free, basically, to do this, and they're destroying a beautiful state, but I think this story brings it close to home. It's in our backyard because people are, I mean, even the, the major media outlets are not covering what's happening at the border. I mean, it's every day, thousands, and, and you've done some great reporting on that. Tell me just a moment before we go on to another subject that you have also have some real deep uh, background in, and that is, what's it like for the, the, the slave labor? Because they're, they're probably housing these, you know, putting 30, 40 people into a trailer house, and these people are literally slaves. They are modern-day slaves that, at gunpoint, you go work in those marijuana fields. The slavery's going on right now in our backyard. Yeah, that's that actually, to me, was probably the most important angle of the story, is seeing just basically, like, we could call it slavery because these people are forced to work, they're labor trafficked, they have no options, and the conditions out here in the desert are brutal. Uh, we found a trailer out here where they literally had 40 people living in it. It gets up to 110 degrees. We're also talking about, these are not just men, we're talking about women and children are also living on these illegal girls against their will. Um, like I said, even LA Times last year, there was a 26-year-old Guatemalan right out here in the desert. He was trying to escape those illegal girls you know, they, they just shot him, killed him, buried, buried him out there. L.A. County Sheriff, they didn't find his body for four months. And that's just the one story of many out here. And let me just remind people, it's not just Southern California. It's This problem actually started up in North Cal. I was I just got I just got done speaking to a law enforcement agent. It's, it's looking like I, that's where I'm headed to next, up in, uh, they call Shasta County. He called me and said, Jorge, uh, where you live, they got over 500 illegal girls? He said, come up to Shasta. We have seven thousand illegal grows and they have the mexicans up there the chinese and the russians up there but yes we're seeing real life human slavery horrible conditions this includes women and children you'll see that in a documentary where we get this footage from san bernardino county sheriffs um they gave us some some powerful footage of showing the women and children on these illegal grows but this is the reality and you know the progressive left they say that they care for black and brown lives this is who do you think this is impacting the most? It's, it's impacting black and brown lives out here in the deserts. Um, and like I said, another element is just that we have just American citizens that, you know, they put all their money into these homes out here in the desert to retire. And now they have to deal with all this violence. And they feel that no one is listening to them, that no one really represents their issue. They are grateful for Congressman Mike Garcia, who has been doing a pretty good job of, you know, shining a spotlight on this issue. And, he, you know, he's trying to get the DEA and also the DOJ uh, from Washington, D.C. involved 
uh, in seeing this because this is not just weed. There's a you know huge criminal element, and and we're not going to stop this by giving these guys five hundred dollar misdemeanor tickets. That's that's it's it's pretty embarrassing, honestly. It really is, and we know what goes with that because your experience south of the border, that it becomes when they get stronger and stronger. If a uh, they'll murder a police chief, they'll murder a sheriff, they'll murder the mayor, they'll murder the governor. The cartels run Mexico. And, and woe, woe to the people that stand up against them because they're a freight train that just, they assassinate anybody that gets in their way. And if we allow this to continue, it's going to go there. I mean, Pastor Roy, you, you know, you, you said this in our conversation earlier. I mean, you're a thousand oaks. I mean, you, it's crazy to think about it. You're you're literally only 70 miles away from this kind of cartel haven out here in the desert. And these guys are getting more powerful, obviously, from south of the border. But now that they're here in our backyard and, you know, one, one uh, thing that my producer mentioned to me that I thought was interesting, he said, Jorge, you know, 20 years ago, I mean, obviously, they still do this to this day. But, you know, all the product that these cartels, you know, used to sell, it, it all comes from Mexico, then it's smuggled in. He said, for the first time ever, they could actually just grow it right here on American soil, and they have a whole business now. It's you know, it's not that they have to do, even do this in Mexico no more. They're doing it here. Um, and you know, like I said, I was talking to a DEA agent up in North California. They got seven thousand uh, of these operations in just one uh, county, and it's moving down here swiftly. It's like I said, it's here in Southern California, and you know, I feel like if we don't put a stop to this, these guys are gonna who knows, be controlling cities, towns. I mean, they have the money to do it. They have the firepower. Um, and, and so far, if our policies are going to be weak and, and enable them, they're going to take advantage. Here in L.A. County, our district attorney is George Cascone, one of the worst in the country, a very progressive DA. Um, he just, I mean, he did the most horrible job in San Francisco and then comes in now, and now he's in our county, and he, so he's not even doing anything, anything to fight this. George Cascone was just making the news last week because he released a murderer who was supposed to be serving 50 years. He only served six years. So that's the type of DA we have here in our, in our county. I mean, I guess the only, the good news I could share is, is that DA Jason Anderson in San Bernardino County right next door is the complete opposite of George Cascone, actively aggressive, wants to put us up to these cartels, attaching felonies and actually prosecuting these crimes. But our DA here, uh, very weak, to put it uh, nicely. <laughs> yeah. Well, just to think about the Chinese mafia, the Russian mafia, the Mexican mafia, the Armenian mafia, and these, uh, they're, they're scary, uh, organized crime uh, mobsters, and we know the kind of violence that surrounds anything they do. Let's change gears just for a moment because you also were on the ground and this week, uh, what an incredible verdict that came out from the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, trial and not guilty, self-defense. And we were talking before we went on air, Jorge, without all of the citizen journalism or not even that, just people with iPhones, right, just getting footage. He would be spending life in prison, but all of the video footage and angles showed emphatically that every single situation was self-defense. You were there live on the street. Tell me what you observed then and how you've tracked this and, and, uh, and, and what you think of the outcome. You know, Pastor Rick, I was absolutely fascinated by the trial um, for folks who don't know, I was covering the 2020 Black Lives Matter rights in every single major city last year. 
And for what happened in that Rittenhouse trial was kind of a microcosm of what happened during the whole summer. And what I mean by that is, during the whole summer, you had these frontline journalists like myself, like Elijah Schaefer at Blaze TV, like a Julio Rosas at Town Hall Media, where we were on the ground telling the American people the truth of the civil unrest. They weren't these peaceful or mostly peaceful demonstrations. We were showing the um, the assaults on journalists, the assaults on business owners, the burning down of buildings, the violence against police officers during the whole summer. But if you would have turned on corporate media, you got a whole nother angle to it. You, I mean, you just turn on CNN and MSNBC, you would have thought everyone was out there just hugging and, and, and kissing and singing songs together. Uh, and that wasn't the case. Guys on the ground, we're showing people the truth with all the violence going on and just the destruction this was causing in our country. But then, you know, according to CNN, it was mostly peaceful. And, you know, that really highlighted the night of the Rittenhouse shooting. It was uh, it was on the third night of riots. I actually arrived in Kenosha for the second night. So um, when the Rittenhouse shooting happened, I was uh, about three blocks away from the shooting. I got to actually hear it, um, hear the, hear the uh, gunfire go off. And... I, I am so grateful to have all those reporters on the ground because if it wasn't for them, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse would be in prison right now because the corporate media, the establishment, they try to paint this picture about this 17-year-old white supremacist that just went into a Black Lives Matter protest and was just gunning down people and was an active shooter. And that, you know, they, they, put, they put that out there and, you know, they, they gaslighted their own American audience when it came to this, you know, I was fascinated by the amount of people on Twitter uh, that during the trial, they just found out that Kyle Rittenhouse didn't shoot any black people. I mean, that's just a disservice that the mainstream media did. I mean, I mean, there was people that up to this day literally thought that he went down and gunned down black people. That wasn't the case. This whole thing of he crossed state lines. Oh, my God, he crossed state lines. I mean, Kyle Rittenhouse drove one mile from Illinois into Kenosha. We found out that he was a lifeguard in Kenosha. We also found out that his father worked in Kenosha. I mean, all these important details, It's you know, the mainstream media missed. Uh, I believe the Washington Post did a video analysis of the shooting. They never mentioned Gage Grosskreutz chasing uh, Kyle Rittenhouse with a firearm. They never mentioned that he also pointed that firearm at Rittenhouse. Um, so it was just, like I said, I was fascinated from being on the ground seeing how the media covered it, even when it finally went to the trial, all the important details that the media never mentioned to their own audience. So I was completely actually, I was actually completely shocked that he was found not guilty. I actually thought the jury was gonna be so politicized by the media, by the protesters, that they were gonna rule him guilty. But I am so glad that he, not, not only is he not guilty, uh, which I thought it was a, a, it was a historic case for self-defense, but it's, I, I also believe it was a moment in our media history where the corporate media for so long had a monopoly of power of information, and they lost that battle to seven or eight guys on the ground with nothing more than a cell phone and posting those videos right to, to Twitter. So all the evidence was there. Um, if it wasn't for all that video coverage, Kyle Rittenhouse would be sitting in prison right now, I do believe. I, I totally agree with you. And... Uh... It's amazing how they have suppressed the truth through all of this. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google, YouTube, they have squished, they have uh, crushed truth under their feet to put forth their narrative like corporate media. And now I thought for sure, because it was such a slam dunk, having watched the footage uh, through the trial, I was fascinated by the uh, 
what a slam dunk of uh, truth it was. It was all self-defense. And I was so surprised that even afterwards, I'm like, okay, what are they going to say now? Mm -hmm. what, what's corporate media going to say now? And they went, it's almost like they doubled down on their gaslighting, he, and they added a new word. So it's white, gun-toting white supremacist vigilante that's out there killing black people. And all three guys he shot are white guys. So there's four guys in an encounter. They're all white. And somehow he's this white supremacist. He, he should be an anti-white supremacist. Like he hates white people. He's going around gunning down white people. It makes no sense. And yet you're seeing this up front because you're trying to get real reporting out. And I mean, do you ever just sit back in your chair, Jorge, and go, unbelievable. unbelievable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, th this whole trial, that, that was me the whole time. I, I couldn't. I couldn't believe it. I, I mean, look, we all know mainstream media was bad, but that this one time just almost highlighted just how horrible they are. I mean, it is truly enemy of the people. I mean, you could turn on MSNBC still right now. They're yeah. still calling Kyle Rittenhouse a white supremacist on a news channel. Let me remind people, if I did that at the Daily Caller, I would get fired if I told, if I gave out information that is not true. And I mean, to this day, I don't know where MSNBC has found any evidence of Kyle Rittenhouse being a white. I mean, there's nothing that points us to that direction, yet there's, they still spill out the lies. They do this whole thing. They're trying to divide the country and make everything about race. Even if you turn on these late night, uh, you know, Hollywood comedians, I think Stephen, Stephen Colbert was on last night saying, oh, we need to change the laws and everyone's doing their fake social justice message. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing. I'm glad that they got exposed. I'm glad that Rittenhouse is found not guilty because it just blows up these people's brains even more. And, yeah. you know, I'm hoping the American people, please wake up and see what the mainstream media is doing. They they don't they don't care to give out the full picture. And literally they um, they literally lost to just, you know, a couple guys with cell phones, with Twitter accounts. And you know what? I think, like I said, it was a huge moment in media history where the front line, the kind of low-budget, working-class guys beat out the establishment, the elites. Um, and, you know, they, even Silicon Valley wanted to play, put their hand in it. They censored any—if you said Kyle Rittenhouse was uh, a hero or he was not guilty or he had a right to self-defense, you get censored. They take your account down. So this is—it's absolutely fascinating. And even the media— outside of the United States. So you had the Independent, one of the biggest newspapers in the UK. I, you know, even after the trial, they still had the headline, Kyle Rittenhouse shoots three black people. They had to retract that, you know, because uh, there was even a major newspaper in Brazil that still thought that was the case. And then when they, they saw the trial, they're like, wait a minute. And, you know, what I love is that Gage Grosskreutz, which is the man who uh, chased Kyle Rittenhouse with a weapon and pointed the weapon at Rittenhouse, he then goes on CNN and Good Morning America and says that he never pointed his weapon. So he literally lied on mainstream media. And Anderson Cooper and Michael Strahan at Good Morning America never pressed them. They never pushed back. So it's like it's almost like they just want that narrative. They, I mean, can you believe that they were on the side of a pedophile when it came to Joseph Rosenbaum? I mean, do we need to even say anything else about these people? Yeah, it's it's. I think what's even more troubling. I see the the progressive left and the corporate media. But they're even doubling down at the White House and with Jen Psaki in the news brief room. They're still doubling down. And I really think 
Um, I mean, you operate in this realm, like you said, you would get fired at the Daily Caller if you are putting up lies, or you will get charged for libel. I mean, it, it, you, you can be sued. And I think Kyle Rittenhouse is going to be uh, driving a nice car and living in a nice home at their expense. Maybe you remember, this is the exact same thing they did to Nick Sandman. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think he's part owner in CNN now or something. <laughs> he, sued him for, he sued him for $250 million. They settled out of court for whatever. But here's two young guys. Neither one of them have any history. There's not one single charge of racism in their lives. The only thing they have against them is they're white. And they were in really awkward circumstances. I mean, it... It's unbelievable, but I, I think uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is, has a strong case for libel. What do you think? No, I, I think so as well. And then if, if for those who watched that Tucker Carlson interview with Rittenhouse, you know, Tucker asked him about, you know, if he's going to go after these news organizations. And according to Rittenhouse, he said he had a good team of attorneys and they were looking into it. So I do believe um, he is. I, I really hope he gets them for everything and just tanks, tanks down these mainstream establishments. I mean, we're, we're already seeing it in the ratings. The ratings are going down. And... So Rittenhouse, go after them, man. I want to see you in a nice Rolls Royce Bentley on the on the <laughs> on the on the expense of MSNBC and and CNN. And you know what, Pastor Rick? What's also great about what just happened um, in the corporate media lying? It's like people, if they're willing to lie about Kyle Rittenhouse, what else do you think they've been lying about? It's you know Kyle Rittenhouse. They've been lying about COVID. They've been lying about um, COVID, you know the lockdown. Everything has been collateral to this big moment. So you know if you if you just found out that they're lying to you about Rittenhouse, well I, I got <laughs> I got some news for you. You might want to check out everything else that they've been lying to you about. Well, we're seeing that with John Durham's report and the people that are getting indicted with the Steele dossier that uh, in, prompted the Trump investigation. And it's going back, and it's t but it's taking five years to get this information out. And even uh, a liberal uh, outlet said, well, it's pretty much what Trump said it was. Where <laughs> and it only takes five years, and it's that old adage that uh, a lie has went around the world and truth's still trying to tie its shoes. Because, uh, but the beautiful thing is, when the truth comes out, and that's what you're doing such a great job, Jorge, and getting your footage out in this documentary about our own backyard and the cartels. Thanks, man, for the heroic work you're doing, and uh, stay safe out there and keep it up. No, thank you, Pastor Rick. I really appreciate you letting me come on, share this information um, with, with the audience. Just really quick for the audience, um, the documentary, if you want to watch it, we, we actually yes. got our own complete website for it. We're not counting on YouTube and censorship and sh being shadow banned. So if you actually go to our website, it's really easy. It's, it's just the word cartel and the word doc together. So it's carteldocdoc.com. Uh, you can watch it there. Like I said, carteldoc.com. We have the trailer on that website as well. So if you want to send it to a family and friend, watch the, tra watch the trailer. The full documentary is available. And you know, if you watch it, please share it. Get it out there um, because this information is important, especially if you live in California. This should mm -hmm. be our one of our top issues headed into a, our next governor race or anything like that. Um, this is an issue that we want to talk about because, uh, you know, it's very possible if these guys continue with these uh, operations, we might not have any water in our state. I mean, I know it, that sounds like something that, that is unfathomable, but it's just a reality when they're stealing this many millions of water gallons per day. So, um, so Pastor Rick, thank you so, so much for, for letting me come on and, and, and share this information. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be dehydrated from no water, but everybody's going to be high. 
So that's their plan, <laughs> I guess, right? Everybody's going to be stoned, and, but they're going to be dehydrated. And it, it really is, uh, has ramifications in the elections. For our prosecuting attorneys, we need to get people that really believe in law and order in every single uh, office in government to stop these kind of problems. So once again, hey, everybody, you heard that. Go to uh, carteldoc.com, right? Yes, sir. Okay, and then share it with everybody you can. Let's get this word out, this hard work that uh, Jorge and his team have done at the personal risk of their own lives. All you have to do is... Uh, push share. <laughs> you're yeah, not exactly. out there getting... You guys got you're the not easy getting, part. You guys got exactly. the easy part. <laughs> they got the safety of their mouse. They're not being chased by the Cardell down the highway. Hey, thanks, Jorge, for joining us. Always a pleasure, man. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Okay. Till next time, you guys. Same light in the darkness I won't hope for the hopeless And rest for the weary mind and you've got truth for the taking, but my heart won't be shaken if today be the day that I die. Whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh. And I won't worry about tomorrow or fear in times of trouble. I keep my heart seeking. I will keep my heart seeking you. Whoa, 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 whoa,